0: You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com.
1: It's my little escape.
0: Now Judy's the life of the party.
1: Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon.
0: Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> Hi, this is Paul Lazarus. In the 1980s, I produced and hosted a radio series called Anything Goes, a celebration of the American Musical Theater. Now the Broadway Podcast Network is bringing back these shows. Today, part one of a three-part visit with legendary writer and Broadway's social conscience, E.Y. Yip Harburg. Harburg is best remembered for Brother Can You Spare a Dime, and his masterwork, Over the Rainbow. This program was originally broadcast in 1980.
3: Something sweet, something sort of grandish, sweeps my soul when thou art near my heart feels so sugar candish, my head feels so ginger beer something so darish so i don't carish stirs me from limb to limb it's so terrific magnifish delish to have such an amorish, glamorish dish. We could be all oh, so bright and groomish. Skies could be so bluish blue. Life could be so love and bloomish, if my ishes could come true.
1: Something Sort of Grandish, a program devoted to the life and lyrics of E.Y. Harburg, better known by his delightful nickname, Yip. One of the musical theater's most gifted creators, Yip Harburg grew up on Manhattan's Lower East Side. At an early age, he fell in love with Light First when he discovered Gilbert and Sullivan. In high school, he and a fellow classmate named Ira Gershwin wrote some comic features for the newspaper. Later, it was Ira Gershwin and the Crash of 1929 that convinced Yip Harburg that he should try writing for a living. Before the crash came, he'd always considered writing just a hobby. Selling electric lamps was his business. It was also the Crash of 1929 which gave Yip Harburg his first hit song. You'll be listening to selections from a pre-recorded interview, excerpts from an evening at the 92nd Street YMHA and many of the songs by Yip Harburg. The song that established Yip Harburg firmly in the public ear in 1932 was a song written with composer Jay Gorney for a Schubert Brothers review called Americana. The song, here performed by Yip himself at the YMHA evening, is Brother Can You Spare a Dime?
4: They used to tell me I was building a dream. And so I followed the mob. When there was earth to plow or guns to bear I was always there right on the job. They used to tell me I was building a dream with peace and glory ahead. Why should I be standing in line waiting for bread? Once. I built a railroad Made it run Made it race against time Once I built that railroad Now it's done Brother, can you spare a dime? Once I built a tower To the sun Brick and rivet and lime once I built that tower, now it's done, buddy. Can you spare a dime? Once in khaki suits, gee we looked swell, full of that Yankee doodle-dum. Half a million boots went sloggin' through hell. I was the kid who with a drum. Say, don't you remember? They called me Al. It was Al all the time. Say, don't you remember? I'm your pal. Buddy, can you spare a dime?
1: Lyricist Yip Harburg singing his own song, Brother, Can You Spare a Dime? a song which became the theme song for America during the Depression years. Yip, during his appearance at the Lyricists and Lyric series, told the story of how the Schubert brothers, producers of Americana, in which Brother Can You Spare a Dime was featured, almost cut the song.
4: The Schubert brothers, who uh, were living apart for the last 25 years, one of them lived over the top of the Schubert Theater, the other lived over the top of Sardi's, and they hadn't spoken for 25 years. They had a system. The medium was not the uh, message by that, at that time, it was notes and said, tell him to come over and tell him to listen to some songs. J.J. Schubert had to corroborate and verify all the songs that Lee was doing at the time. And uh, he came over and uh, we sang. Uh, he says, tell him to listen to this song for the show. And so J.J. listened, and we sang, Brother, Can You Spare a Dime? We sang our heart out, and uh, his face fell. It hadn't very far to fall. (laughs) And he said, tell him I don't like it. And so Lee said, ask him why. Why? And so J.J. drawing himself up to his full splendid dictatorship and compounding his outrage said, because it's too sorbid. (laughs) 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 But Lee was the senior partner and we got it in, the rest was history. Of course, the way we came to write it was a, a kind of a serendipity thing too. prankers uh, and brokers were on the streets then <clears throat> uh, coming up to you with the uh, buddy can you spare a dime, can you spare a dime, and the phrase of course impacted itself and uh, I said this would be a great show for this Americana because it was about the Forgotten Man and uh, I was writing with Jay Gorney at the time and he had a tune and the tune had a lyric. It was a torch song, and it went this way. I could go on crying big blue tears ever since you said we were through. I could go on crying big blue tears. Well, I said, Jay, is that lyric wedded to to this tune? And he says, well, we can get a little divorce. he says, if we uh, have the right tactics. And so I said, I've got a title for it. And then it came to be, Brother, Can You Spare a Dime? And that's how the thing was written. That's how the thing was gotten into the show. Vincent Ewans was to be my composer. That's right, yeah. And we did one number. He got a big advance, and he disappeared. Hmm. And the show was... Uh, scheduled for two months away, two or three months away, and so I had no composer. And uh, after meeting I said, well, if I could be fed plenty of music by several people, I'll do the show, Uh, because all I needed was good tunes to inspire me. And uh, in order to make up for lost time and for the time that we spent looking for Vincent humans. <laughs> I I did some of the songs with Jay Gorney, some with Harold uh, Arlen, and some with Burt Lane, and they were all unknown. And I didn't uh,
1: realize Burton Lane had written the songs. Yeah,
4: you? yeah. Mm-hmm. I called him in because he came and played two or three tunes which I liked. I said, "Fine, I'll pick this." Jay had three or four tunes. I said. Good, I'll pick those. And Arlen came in with some tunes that he Is had. Is that the
1: first time you worked with both Harold Arlen and Burton Lane in the same show? Right. That's, isn't right. that amazing?
4: Right, yes.
1: That's incredible. And yes. you really didn't know either one before then?
4: Well, Harold Arlen and I met through Earl Carroll. He, he contributed some songs to the Vanities, mm-hmm. the Eighth Vanities. So I met him backstage, So and I liked his stuff. It was rather new. It was. A was sort of a, an, a challenge to me, an enigma. Uh-huh. But I thought he had something that approached uh, George Gershwin. At least He's often they really weren't him. the same, but he had an Americana, a typical American pro- It was away from the Viennese derivation of the Kearns and the uh, other writers. Right. See? And uh, I took a shine to that. Uh, gutsy, earthy, really, he he, can't, he comes out of a cotton club, you know. Yeah, real blues. Black kind music, of... but it wasn't black music, it was, it was a combination of Hebrew and Semitic music, Semitic and black music, Congo music, uh-huh. which uh, I seemed to have a great affection for. I seemed to be able to write easy in that vein, much easier than I could. In the flowery vein, you know, the
1: Viennese operettas, mm-hmm.
4: that uh, the
1: sweet songs. I'd ask you about one more song in Americana, and that was a song that you wrote with Johnny Mercer. And That was a song called "Satan's Little Lamb."
4: Yes, that's and a I good was song. wondering
1: what it was like at that time to work, because uh, I know you had been used to collaborating with other people, but Johnny Mercer, I don't believe you had worked with before. Johnny
4: Mercer was a newcomer at the time. And I heard one or two of his things, and I began, I liked him. And I thought, he, he, he was a kid with a lot of, uh, uh, well, I, I would say popular poetry. You know, it was down-to-earth poetry.
0: merman singing satan's little lamb from the 1926 review americana
2: hey guys it is ryan i'm not sure if you know this about me but i'm a bit of a fun fanatic when i can i like to work but i like fun too it's a thing and now the truth is out there i can tell you about my favorite place to have fun chumba casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase
5: necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: My guest today on Anything Goes is renowned lyricist, master of whimsy, E. Y. Yip Harburg.
4: Implicit, sometimes in, this, in satire, is a uh, sense of prophecy, uh, to sense the future in the instant, instinct to see a little ahead of your time is what gives the satirist the funny point of view on the present. And so this next song, which was written for the Follies of 1934, happens to accommodate the youth of today, who have reduced the English language to two phrases and a catch-all adverb. Like. I mean like, uh, where the producer says to the lyricist, he should, you know, like, I mean... uh, Write a song like it should, you know Like communicate the lack of communication (laughs) So here is a song that does that Lady, last Saturday Or was it yesterday I was rehearsing a speech Really, I think it's a peach Hope you don't think it a breach of Recognized etiquette I'm from Connecticut You see the state that I'm in I mean, I'm in a mess. Uh, what was the speech? Oh, oh yes, yes, like, uh, like I like the likes of you, I like the things you do. I mean, I like the likes of you. Like I like your eyes of blue, like I think they're blue, don't you? Like. I mean, I like the, your lies of blue Oh dear, if I could only say what I mean I I mean, if I could uh, mean what I say That is, I mean, you know, to say that I mean, to say that I like the likes of you Your looks are pure deluxe Looks like I like the likes of you.
1: I want to move on to Light Begins at 840, which I love that title. And uh, that's when you really got back with your old high school buddy, Ira and Gershwin, That's right. And did a show with Harold Arlen. Correct, yeah. Uh, was that kind of a, was that fun to get back together? That was great together? Fun. Yeah.
4: That was real collaboration. And it was exciting and playful and joyous and a beautiful show. And a, it was a, a score I was very proud of. And Ira and I worked together beautifully. We had lots of fun.
1: Did you really write the songs together? I mean, Yes. Just,
4: we, we got together every night uh-huh. at 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock and went till 4 o'clock in the morning. Oh, that's fabulous. With Harold at the piano, and it was just joyous.
1: I really like those songs. I mean, you're a builder-upper and all What that. was
4: great about that was that George was busy writing Porgy and Bess, and he had a penthouse across the street on 72nd Street. And Ira lived on the on the north side of the street. George lived on the south. Uh-huh. So we were working at Ira's house while George was there, and then we'd get together and George would play us what he was doing on Porgy, Best, and we would play and what we were doing on Life Begins at
1: 840. Oh, that must have been a really oh, good time. They, they
4: were glorious days. Uh-huh. Glorious days.
5: You build me up and you break me down, yet you never see a frown, cause I love it and rise above it. On two. You are able to make me feel that I'm like Garbo. Then next minute you make me feel like something from the zoo. First you warm up, then you're distant. Never knew a boy so inconsistent. I'm a big shot at half past one, a so-and-so by two. Heaven forgive you for your sins keeping me on. I build a rubber, uh, I break it down, uh, I hold router, uh, and I'm a give her in. A uh. sad but true, I'm a sapperoo too. Taking it from a taker over like you. Shoot for your charms You're a builder-upper a breaking break you down a Rub, and everything is hunky-dory And that's my story Open your arms And I'm just a stooge For all of your charms You're a builder-upper A break-a-downer down a holder-outer And I'm a giver-inner That but true I love what I do Being broken by A builder-upper who Is like the likes of you You make me feel so blue And yet I'm happy too How I love Being broken
1: by A giver in a Break-a-downer it a builder-upper like you yeah! 1939, you wrote a, a score for a film called The Wizard of Oz. and
4: uh, Yeah, that was... Uh, no one
1: will ever uh, forget the name of E.Y. Harbrick since then. Um, one of the great things about that score is, that I think, that it revealed your whimsical side. And uh, you wrote lines like, I'd unravel every riddle for uh, every individual. Yeah. And uh, you rhymed prowess with malice. And things like that, which have really... I, come to, I, I associate with your style and, and are distinctly Yip Harburg.
4: I think so. I think I have a penchant for uh, playing with words and uh-huh. redirecting them, You enjoy especially it, you? if I have characters that are appropriate for that kind. For example, when I'm dealing with fairyland people, pixies like leprechauns and people in Nas, then I have a right to do that, you see, mm-hmm. and uh after all, what is lyric writing lyric writing is is word game, isn't it and uh how
1: did those occur to you? I can't imagine they're they're so I don't wonderful. Know.
4: i don't know i just I just think language is the most playful thing there is, and if you can't play with language if you're a lyric writer that after all uh If you want funny lyrics, you have to have funny sounds Mm -hmm. and funny thoughts, and if you can... Well, now look at James Joyce, did in a serious way, almost he got a a world reputation, didn't he, for taking words, Mm -hmm. mixing them up, putting them together. And whether you know it or not, you have an identification with these words. In a much more imaginative and exciting way than you do with real words, because you can take two and three words. Now, take for example, thing that I always lo- love to show when I'm talking, left as an take as an example, or how a How are things in Glaucomaora? Why is that so interesting to people, Glaucomaora? Because again, I am not only just taking words out of the air for a place that is non-existent, for a place that would be desirous for everyone to want to reach for. Well, Gluckamora, if I said Cleveland, you wouldn't care about what's (laughs) going there, would you? But Gluckamora, whether you know it or not, I combined Glick, Glucka, which is luck, with Mora, which is tomorrow, Morgan, uh-huh. mora, So is there's a subliminal, b- a subliminal, a <coughs> subliminal identification with lucky tomorrow.
1: Uh huh. Is that Gaelic? The language. It's
4: Gaelic. Glucka is gael- Gaelic. Mm-hmm. Mora is Gaelic.
1: Oh, wonderful! I didn't know that. Yeah. But I'd love the word.
4: <laughs> Let's see what a, what is it behind that thing. It's taking life uh, and keeping it on a childish level and kind of laughing at all the grown-ups who think that it's a serious proposition and uh, that they got to work at it with um, not only with heavy machinery but with guns and with bombs mm-hmm. and kill each other for it when it should be playful and lighthearted. And I think that that pervading idea inside of me that we live in a world that should be full of pixified fun, you know, flowers, buds, and we make such heavy, pompous materials to live by and with. And I think psychologically, it's my way of laughing at people who are serious and pompous and, and not seeing the playfulness of life That's and that. doing it through language.
3: I could while
4: away the hours, conferring with the flowers, consulting with the rain. My head. I'd be scratching while my thoughts were busy hatching if I only had a brain. I'd unravel every riddle for any individual in trouble or in pain.
5: With the thoughts you'd be thinking you could be another Lincoln if you only had a brain. Oh,
3: I will tell you why the ocean's near the
4: shore. I could think of things I never thought before And then I'd sit and think some more I would not be just a nothing My head all full of stuffin', My heart all full of pain I would dance and be merry Life would be a ding-a-dairy If I only had a brain Whoa!
5: A tin? Yes. Did you say something? He said oil can.
3: My, 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 my goodness, I can talk again. Oh, It feels wonderful.
5: Well, uh, you're perfect now.
3: Perfect? Uh, Bang on my chest if you think I'm perfect. Go ahead, bang on it. It's empty. The tinsmith forgot to give me a heart. All hollow. When a man's an empty kettle, he should be on his mettle. And yet I'm torn apart. Just because I'm presuming That I could be kind of human If I only had a heart I'd be tender, I'd be gentle And awful sentimental Regarding love and art I'd be friends with the sparrows And the boy who shoots the arrows If I only had a heart Picture me about Above a voice sings low. Wherefore art thou, Romeo? I hear a beat. How oh, sweet, just to register emotion, jealousy, devotion, and really feel the part. I could stay young and chipper, and I'd lock it with a zipper.
5: If
0: I only had a heart. That
5: was wonderful.
0: You've been listening to part one of a three-part look at the career of legendary writer Yip Harburg. Associate producer Jeff London. Anything Goes, backstage with Broadway's Best, is produced and hosted by Paul Lazarus. For more information, visit anythinggoespl.com. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate and follow us. Thanks for listening. (laughs)